Welcome to the Mind Your Body podcast. My name is Jenny Helms, and I'm an emotional eating coach and marriage and family therapist. I help people address the roots of their disordered eating and body image issues. I'm Lisa Perkins, owner of Primal Transformations. I'm a certified personal trainer and precision nutrition coach. I use a paleo framework to help clients transform their health, body, and life. The Mind Your Body podcast is all about empowering you to live your best life. We aim to grow a community of empowered women who are ready to transform their health and lives using a real approach that is all about getting back in touch with ourselves and not fueled by self-loathing. This journey requires a healthy dose of humor, perspective, and self-compassion. Our goal for this podcast is to help you achieve sustainable results that you get to keep. Please remember, the following podcast is not intended to be a substitute or implied to be medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare provider when making changes to your diet and lifestyle. Welcome to the show. This is a Mind Your Body podcast, episode number 23, Weight Loss. Food is your ally, not your enemy. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. It's been a long time. Yes. It's been, has it been six weeks? Yeah, I think. Somewhere on Yeah, there? something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we anticipated taking that long of a break, but mm-hmm. maybe you could let people in on a little bit of what's been going on in our lives just on a like yeah. semi-personal level. Sure. That's been part of why this hasn't been um, prioritized, and I think rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, we care For deeply sure. about this. However, life happens. Yes, it does. Well, the biggest thing in my life has been that my daughter massively broke her ankle. I think she has eight breaks from an ice skating accident, which was just so bizarre. So that's been, she's had major surgery. And so that has been the, probably the biggest thing. And then there's been some travel, you know, some good things in there as well. And so yeah, life is definitely coming back to balance now and summer's in full swing and I'm having so much fun in the garden. Yeah. Balancing that with you know, the work I love to do with clients and some writing and that kind of thing. So, yes, I'm happy to get back to this and not have any crises brewing. Yes. Yeah. And I I had, you know, a, this was a good thing, but my one of my really close friends got married last weekend and so that kind of threw a wrench in our plans to record last week. So life happens. That's a good, good wrench though. Yeah, I know. It was yeah, great. It, sure. was, it was awesome to see her get married and, you know, yeah, it was really great to be a part of that. Um, you know, what, what a lot of, you know, podcast partners do is they'll record from two different locations and, yes. and we could figure that out. I'm sure technologically, yes. but I think I won't speak for you, but I do like recording with you face-to-face yes, in person, yes. because, you know, it's, what led to this podcast is was the conversations that Jenny and I were having. Yes. And, you know, so many times we thought, gosh, that could be useful for some folks. I wish we had recorded that. So I like being in the same room together. Me too. Personally. It's a different so. kind of energy. I mean, yep. don't get me wrong. I think amazing things can happen virtually, but then even more amazing things can yeah. happen in I, person. I agree. So Absolutely. That's just, so, yeah, that's my take But on. yeah, we're, we're back in the groove and... You know, plan to be more consistent, record on a weekly basis, and we have so many good topics in the hopper yes. to talk to you about. And yeah. we've so appreciated everyone's feedback, and we would love to see more questions. Mm-hmm. You know, if you would share that on our Mind Your Body podcast page, either send us a message or just post on our page, you know, we'd love to hear if there are topics that 
you would find useful or if there are challenges that we haven't addressed. Yeah. You know, we're, we're pretty tuned in to things that a lot of people are facing, but that doesn't mean we're covering everything. That's so true. And I, yeah. And it's always great to have other people ask us questions, um, that get us thinking about different things Mm -hmm. and tackling it from different angles that maybe we wouldn't have covered. The other piece too is, is if you find that this is a message that you're, that really resonates for you, please share it with other people. Absolutely. Um, and also go ahead and subscribe and rate our our podcast that helps us get it out to more people. Um, and you know, the whole, the whole meaning behind this podcast was that we wanted to share this message of developing a healthy relationship with food and not feeling shame around food. Um, and also kind of debunking a lot of the, the BS that's out there about food. And so if you're also very passionate about spreading that message to your friends and this has helped you in any way, that would be super helpful for us. So absolutely, any of that would be yep. awesome. Yep. We want to help people put food and body issues in the lane it deserves yes. in your life so that you can focus on the stuff that matters. Exactly. Yep. yep. So, yeah. Well, what we want to talk about today is a concept that I think most people don't really consider, and that is that for healthy, sustainable weight loss, food is actually your ally, not your enemy. Yes. So, we really want to talk about what that means in terms of, you know, how to start viewing it that way and how to start bringing in more healthy food and, you know, making yourself a healthier, more functional human. And as a side benefit, maybe reaching some body composition goals. Yes. And yeah, not being in this mindset that food is bad or evil or your body, even your body, I think goes along with this, that it's, you know, betraying you or bad Mm -hmm. or evil. I think when people start to to lean into food being their ally, they also realize that their body is actually their ally as well. Absolutely. And so that's our main, yeah. that's what we want to talk about today. For sure. And and I think, you know, one of the things we were talking about before we hit record was we're going to be talking about some things today that might bring up, you know, some resistance, some friction in your mind. You might be like, that is not for me. I could never think of food or, you know, body image that way. We're going to we're going to encourage you to lean into this and maybe the more resistance you feel the more you need to maybe entertain this idea and listen to it more than once. Mm-hmm. For example, but you know, once you get to the end and if you think gosh, that's something that I'm interested in, you may need you may need a partner in this process and this is what Jenny and I both do. So, you know, if you want to have a conversation and see if maybe you'd like some assistance, don't hesitate to reach out and, and we'll see, you know, yeah. if we would be a good, good fit to help you. But, but in the beginning, we would just really encourage you to kind of set aside your current paradigm and just hear what we have to say. Cause this is like your ticket to food and body freedom. Yes. I'll tell you, it really is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that may sound too good to be true. And I will say that like when I was in the space where I was struggling with food myself, I didn't believe like none of this made any sense to me at all. And so hopefully we can kind of decode this in a way that we've been able to decode in our own lives and the lives of our clients mm-hmm. and maybe share some of our own personal stories and experiences along the yep. way to help, 
connect the dots and just to kind of be real with you guys about this process because um, it's one thing for us to tell you what all this great stuff. It's another thing to kind of share the story of how we were also able to come to terms with it. Gosh, that is so powerful because what I never think is helpful is to listen to quote unquote experts or gurus or whatever preach to me from their proverbial temple mount. Right. That they've gone through the fire and figured it all out. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just sharing what has worked for us, what we see work for our clients, mm-hmm. and, you know, offering you some ideas and strategies. But, you know, gosh, if somebody had told me some of this stuff years ago, but not partnered with me or explained it to me, yeah, it would have been, you know, my BS meter would have been flaring for sure. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah that's, but, yeah, so so let's just dive right in. We'll explain a little more what we're talking about. So so what we've all been led to believe is that in order to lose weight, that less food and more exercise is always the solution, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And That's yeah. the prevailing paradigm. Yep, and I get annoyed with how many people tell me their doctors just continuously say that same line over mm-hmm. and over again. Right. And I think, and again, I don't think they're coming from a bad place, but I think that's what they've been told. Right. Right? It's a, it's it's not a good understanding of what's actually happening because the reality is that our bodies are designed to adapt and react to our food environment, right? Mm-hmm. To everything in our environment, but especially our food intake. And so if we are chronically under eating, which I know most of my clients come in, even if they have some weight to lose, they are chronically under eating. Their yes. calories are way too low. If you are chronically underfed and or over exercising, your body is going to react as if there is an emergency mm-hmm. and it's going to do everything in its power to protect you from dying. Yes. Right? That's <laughs> your body is trying to protect you. So it's down regulating all the systems. And so, okay, so if somebody comes in and they're chronically under eating and your metabolism has adapted to that, and then, you know, you try to, you know, lose weight at these low calories and weight loss doesn't come off, then gurus or coaches often assume you're cheating. Right. They assume How that many people, people are lying, have we heard that but from? They're not. It's just, yeah. That's so many people have said, this is what I've done, so I restricted even more, or I exercised even more, right. or a combination of both. But how frustrating would that be? If you Incredibly. are adhering to this program, the weight is not shifting, which is frustrating enough, right? but on top of that, to have someone accuse you of being dishonest. Right. Of being a liar or just, yeah. Or unintentionally just shaming people. Exactly. Right? Well, that's what that is. And making it more, yeah. more no, solidified it's... that this has something to do with your like willpower or how, um, controlled or adult of a human you are, Absolutely. but that's not what it is at all. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so this is, this is why we're talking about this today and we're talking about, okay, how, to, how to resolve this situation. And I guess what I want to make sure that we share is that the great news is that you cannot actually break your metabolism. Yeah. I hear that all the time is that, you know, my metabolism is broken, you know, from years of dieting, that's not possible. Just Mm -hmm. like your body adapts to under eating, it can also, you know, adapt up. It can upregulate in times of plenty. And, you know, the goal for a lot of us, especially in the Western world, is to have as inefficient a metabolism as possible, mm. not to have it be very efficient and hold on to every calorie. Right. Right. So, so starting to increase 
So when you food. say, sorry, just to kind sure, of explain sure. that, even my own brain was okay. like, well, when okay. you say inefficient, you mean that it's not burning as many calories. We want it to burn. Okay. What it means it's burning more yes. calories. Okay. Right. So in my mind, it's kind of flipped. But okay. 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 Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. Just I can see clarify. where that would, that would be confusing. So, <laughs> yeah. so we're going to talk about, you know, what this looks like in terms of the body systems, you know, we'll get into the nitty gritty of that, but just, we just want to throw this idea out there before we launch into that, that you can't actually break your metabolism. Right. You know, it can take a little longer to reverse out of, you know, extreme calorie restriction. If you've been, if you've been at 1100 calories for 30 years, it may take a few months. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just laughing at that because people do expect to reverse that within, you know, days or even weeks. And it's like, you're, you've been doing this for so long that your body almost, it's like a relationship. Your body has to rebuild trust in you. Well, for sure. That's exactly what's really, you know, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. But, but I will say that I have done this with clients that have, that it's gone way faster, Mm -hmm. way faster. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it would always, this is all individual, but it's being willing to even look at food as the solution, mm-hmm. not the problem. That's the first step. And that is the biggest wrench in this whole thing yeah. is that for most people listening right now, you're probably like, no, I have to control my food. If I let ease up on controlling, I'm going to immediately gain 20 pounds and eat everything in sight. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're going to talk about how it doesn't typically actually work that way (laughs) and what all the good things that happen when we start fueling our body appropriately for what we do right right? and how to figure it out we're going to talk about this so if you're like well I have no idea you know how many calories I should be eating we're going to talk you know in specifics but but just wanted to throw out that idea that your metabolism is not broken no matter how long you've been dieting this is reversible Mm mm-hmm Yeah, that's a huge, hugely important point because I know so many people come in and they're like, this is just how I have to eat. Yes. And I thought that too. Yeah. Oh, I thought that for so many years. And there's a lot of, unfortunately, there's a lot of, um, I'm putting air quotes up, professionals in the field that Mm -hmm. will say the same thing, but they're not... Yeah, they're not looking at the bigger picture. They also have their own fears around what it means, or they have a distrust of people when they say, hey, I'm actually eating this right. amount. So, or yeah, to be honest, there are people offering advice that, let's be honest, they don't really know what they're talking about. That too. There's a lot of things that I don't know about, but I'm not talking about them. Right. Right? And again, right. I'm not, you know whatever, but I really try to stay in my lane and talk about things that I've done the research and actually worked with human beings. Yes. You worked with, yeah, Yeah. that's the thing too, is it's interesting. I mean, hopefully we're not too tangential on this, but there's a lot of people in the field that we've met or seen over the years that, um, might be really great at marketing and business. So they look like, you know, they know all their stuff and they had, they've had tons of experiences, but in actuality, they haven't worked with people. They haven't been doing the groundwork or maybe they've worked with, you know, a very small subset of specific individuals. Um, but they haven't really worked with a large amount of people. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. When the more, the more, I mean, there's things that we learn in this field, but I do love the saying, like, the more I see, the less I know, because Absolutely. I think that there's so yeah. much that we learn and 
ways that we grow from work, the more we work with people. Oh my gosh. My coaching has changed so much over the past four years, for sure. My clients have taught me what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. And yeah, the more people, more actual human beings that you work with, yeah, you find what are the real solutions for sure versus me just preaching what worked for me. Right. Or even just reciting research. I think a lot of people think, you know, I'm not saying research is a bad thing. I think there's so much goodness that comes from it. But if you rely on research alone, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of gaps there too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So the first thing we wanted to cover just to you know, see if any of these resonate with you, if these are things that you may have noticed, you know, which may be a sign that you've been kind of chronically under eating. Some of the side effects include your thyroid slowing down, mm-hmm. right? And so when energy from our food is scarce, you know, not again, not up to our energy output, our brain is going to tell our thyroid to put out less thyroid hormone. That doesn't mean there's necessarily something wrong with your thyroid. Your body is trying to protect you by slowing the whole system down in order to conserve basic bodily functions, right? So when our thyroid slows down, there are thyroid receptors on every cell in our body, and it's responsible for our energy output, but it's also responsible for our mental state. So with, you know, depressed thyroid function, we often have depression, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That often (laughs) goes hand in hand. We have, you know, brittle nails, hair loss, dry skin. There's often some constipation and reduced libido. Like basically all the non-essential bodily functions start to slow down when Mm -hmm. thyroid slows down. So that's, you know, something that happens probably after about 30 days of severe caloric restriction. Yes. So. Yep. And yeah, as somebody, I mean, just to speak kind of story to this a little bit, you know, I remember when I was in my own severe caloric restriction, just feeling so out of body and not myself. Mm -hmm. Like it was just like all those things that made me like a human really Mm -hmm. and the fun and the energy and like just having passion about life was Mm -hmm. completely stripped. Right. Um, And it was a really weird feeling to almost feel like, I was just kind of existing. Mm-hmm. Um, What's and interesting so, is yeah. that you, I mean, you notice, you know that now in retrospect, but yes. when we're in it, it's just zombie we don't mode. correlate the two. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I will say when I was in it, I remember feeling like it was, it was weird. I felt like I was like for a second, there'd be moments that I literally felt out of body mm-hmm. and then I kind of come back into it yeah. and it was the weirdest yeah, thing. That is. And so, I mean, obviously that's really unhealthy. And that's a big sign that you should probably, you know, be eating a little bit more, um, or a lot a bit more, actually a lot a bit more. I would like you um, to quantify that. Let me just, yeah, a lot a bit more, but I mean, you know, even if it's not that extreme, I've seen a lot of people that, you know, have kind of just chronically under eight, even just like, you know, if it's 200 to 300 calories mm-hmm. that can still have these impacts oh, on absolutely. your life. And, and, and we're, everyone is more sensitive. You know, some people, gosh, their hormones just start to tank yeah. with very limited caloric restriction, yes. you know, or their period goes away or whatever. Like, you know, all of our systems are different, but, but in, in, kind of alignment with what you were just saying, another side effect of chronic dieting is kind of reduced spontaneous activity. So, you know, the studies show that the bulk of our calorie output isn't through like going to the gym or 
you know, walking or like designated exercise sessions, but it's through things like fidgeting and just spontaneous movement, like getting up and getting a drink of water and running upstairs to grab something rather than, you know, just, oh, I'd rather just kind of sit here and I'll go upstairs when I need to get three things versus just running upstairs. You know, you just all that spontaneous activity output really starts to slow down. Yes. When, when we're not eating enough. And it makes yeah. sense. I mean, think yes. about that from our body's perspective of trying to protect us. It would, yeah. that just makes sense. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next thing that people, I mean, the next thing you'll notice if you're chronically under eating is you're going to have ma- macro and micronutrient deficiencies, which I don't think is super surprising if you're mm-hmm. not, you're, People who undereat also, what I've noticed as well, some people, yes, they're eating nutrient-dense things, maybe if they're, I don't know, maybe if they are cognizant of healthy things, but for the majority of people I've mm-hmm. seen that are undereating, they're not eating a lot of nutrient-dense things. Right, because so, their body is craving energy-dense Exactly, foods. their right. body, the only thing that they are like putting into their body is, are the things that are palatable, um, right. that they can kind of, yeah, that they can... Yeah. mentally wrap their brains around. Um, but that, I mean, that makes it all the more um, dangerous and unhealthy and results in, you know, some of those side effects physically. And I think for you, you can kind of explain some of those a little bit better than me. So, well, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, you're doing an awesome job. I mean, basically you're just not getting the building blocks for, you know, all of our bodily systems. You know, we need healthy fats, for hormone production, for, you know, our brain function in, you know, in order to have, you know, enough protein Mm -hmm. to build neurotransmitters, to have stable moods and not have anxiety and depression, to have, you know, vibrant skin, a balanced immune system, healthy gut function. And in addition, if you're chronically under eating, especially protein, you're likely to burn through your lean muscle mass, right? Because your body's going to view that as expendable. Well, that's going to have the additional side effect of slowing your metabolism down further because lean muscle, you know, kind of burns more calories. But more importantly, lean muscle mass is responsible for making us a functional human. Right. It's not, this is not just important for bodybuilders. Right. We all need <laughs> lean muscle, right? Yes. It's, you know, but it, it's also an important repository for glucose. And I know that's getting into the science, but for people that struggle with blood sugar dysregulation or kind of pre-diabetes or diabetes, the more lean muscle mass you have, the more efficiently you're going to be able to balance your blood sugar because we store a lot of glucose in our muscles. So mm. we need to protect that lean muscle mass by eating enough protein. Yes. So, which is why when I do have clients in a sane, safe calorie deficit, boy, we are making sure that protein is at a really good level to send the signal to our body. Hey, we're using this. We've got enough amino acids. We can you know, hold on to lean muscle and prioritize burning fat. Right. So, so yeah, we, that's definitely something, you know, we just see lots of imbalances in the body when we're chronically under eating. It's like you said, it's very difficult to meet all of our nutrient needs. Yeah. And the other, the other little factoid that I remember another dietitian talking to me about is that we need to have a certain amount of calories every day just to detox our body and for things to process that way. And I think a lot of my, um, 
a lot of my patients who struggle with restrictive eating, when they hear that they're not detoxing Mm -hmm. the way that their body's supposed to because they're not eating enough, Mm -hmm. that kind of, I mean, I'm not here to like fear monger people, but I think that's just a little bit of buy-in for them. Like, okay, I want to eat enough to at least be detoxing. And Mm -hmm. obviously they need to be eating more than that, but to at least get some buy-in that it is so important that we're eating enough to have a healthy body. And like, I don't, I don't like to put it this way, but to be more, um, trying to think of a better word. I'm just thinking of the word that some of my clients would use to feel more clean, you know, like that you're not just mm-hmm. like, you know, piling up these yeah. toxins in your body. Sure. No, um, that's, but yeah, that's going to impact to everything. Yes. We need, you know, cruciferous vegetables in our diet in order to detoxify excess hormones and mm. not have estrogen dominance, which is again, going to make weight loss very difficult. Right. So we need, you know, plenty of those kinds of, um, you know, broccoli, cauliflower from cabbage, that, that family. But then, you know, for phase one and phase two detoxification to work, we also have to have plenty of protein and amino acids for Mm -hmm. those systems to work. And I'll tell you, if your detoxification system is not, if it's clogged, Mm -hmm. you're not going to store body, you're not going to burn body fat. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because we store toxins in our body fat Mm -hmm. and our body is not going to be willing to risk, you know, burning, opening up that window of toxins if we can't get those out and metabolize through our system, right? We are going to be weight loss resistant. So yes, yes, the detoxification system, it's not just about being, I don't know. I always just think of these kind of hippy dippy juice cleanses. It's, it's not about being that person. It's about literally having our all, all systems online. Yes. You know, it's, it's critical, critical, critical. So, 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 so this next one is one that, you know, you definitely can speak to, um, more than anyone I know. Yeah. So, I mean, we've covered a little bit of the physiological pieces, but sometimes that doesn't really, um, I think make an emotional connection for people. They're like, eh, you know, I'm fine. I feel fine. And sure. again, it might just be their normal. My arms to are be. still attached. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, and I think too, like, I mean, even for myself in, in college when I was, um, you know, drinking like a ton of soda every day and just like, I had some other, sure. you know, not so healthy habits. I thought that being sluggish like that and not, I, I wasn't eating enough in college either. Not like because of, eating disorder stuff, but just cause I wasn't like, I don't know. I would yeah. just wasn't eating enough yeah. as a human. Right. <laughs> I didn't know I wasn't. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I thought that the sluggishness and all of that was kind of just normal. Right. I thought it was just like what college kids felt like sure. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I'm sure insert stressed adults or sure. moms feel like, um, but yeah, so but so I think the physiological piece is super important. However, for me, I think I had more buy-in initially with the emotional part of it. Um, because, you know, even in my own experience, I've had different experiences with disordered eating. But, you know, when I learned about, um, I think we've talked about this study before, and I still can't remember exactly what it is. This is not my forte, the details. Is it the Harvard study? With the men who the were Minnesota eating. starvation study. Minnesota yeah. starvation. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're yeah. awesome. They were See, conscious love subjectors yep. <laughs> from the war, and they, yeah, they yes. were, yeah. I'm like a very big picture person, yeah. and so details are not my forte. But Lisa is really awesome at them, so I'm so grateful that because I have enough amino acids. Yes, you know, <laughs> She's so um, not to brag. Yeah, 
you know, you're kind of awesome. Um, but anyway, so in, in the Minnesota starvation study, these men were eating 1,200 calories a day. So it wasn't like they were completely starving themselves. Right. But, you know, the results found that they were obsessing over food and thinking up recipes and just, like, talking about it, the, mm-hmm. like, all day long. And this happens maybe it looks different for different people, mm-hmm. but it's more it shows up in our obsession, Right. So when people are chronically under eating, even if it's only, you know, 200 to 300 calories a day, they're going to be thinking more about food. Mm -hmm. They're going to be thinking more about their next meal. Um, they may be on Pinterest looking at food more. Like there's yeah, you're posting subtle, for, they're the yeah. ones posting all the brownie recipes with the, <laughs> yeah. with the lava flow of fudge down, you know, the visuals that you see. Yeah. Yes. And, and sure. maybe even cooking more. Um, it's going to look different for different people, sure. but food obsession, um, and thinking about it is, is going to be part of the mental side effects of under eating. Right. And just to like, you know, I mean, I think for me, one of the coolest things about eating more food and getting a healthy relationship with, with food was just how much more time I had to think about other things and getting to know myself. Yeah. But this was, Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I think that side effect people may not realize is as important as it is, but yeah, there's usually food obsession. There's cravings. You know, mm-hmm. typically when people are thinking about food, they're not like grilled broccoli and you know, yeah, and no. chicken and no. you know, they're thinking about you know the lava cake that you were describing, exactly, <laughs> which actually sounds pretty good. But <laughs> maybe I need a snack. That's, you're sleep um, deprived, so I am sleep deprived at the moment. But yeah, I think that it's just. Yeah, it's a subtle thing that people don't realize that. Well, and you your can think it's t- normal. I thought yeah. it was normal too. I was totally obsessed with yes. recipes and, you know, what I was going to get to have when. I just thought everybody thought that way, right? And I just, you know, I always joke about, you know, I could have written the next, you know, the great American novel for all of the time I spent, you know, thinking about food, counting calories, all of this nonsense, drivel. Mm-hmm. You know, and what's amazing is when you are eating enough, your brain calms the heck down. Your yeah. brain's like, oh, we're safe here. Crisis averted. I can shift my bandwidth to bigger things. Yes. Right? So if this is you, if you are constantly having cravings for energy-dense foods, you know, pizza, french fries, ice cream, that kind of thing, or if you're constantly thinking about food and recipes... This is where we are going to invite you to keep listening. Yes. Because this is not a sign of lack of willpower. Your brain is trying to protect you. Yes. And that's a huge, that is such a good message. This is not about your willpower whatsoever. Um, You know, the other thing I want to add to this is most of my clients who struggle with binge eating or have come into this pattern of binging and then trying to compensate with restrictive eating started by having a chronic, like by chronically under eating. And so I'm not saying that everybody's necessarily going to go there, Mm -hmm. but you are increasing your vulnerability to that because of the fact that your body is trying to protect you. Well, a less extreme example of that is how many people do we see that say, I do great, quote unquote, all week, and then the weekend I'm off the rails, right? It's a perfect example of what's happening here. You're probably massively restricting all week long, and by the weekend when your schedule is a little more 
loose and, you know, there's maybe more hyperpalatable foods available, your brain's going to be like, hey, we need to stock up. Yes. While the getting's good. Right. right? While you're going to feed me. Exactly. But then, (laughs) then, you know, we feel terrible about ourselves when honestly, I would argue that even in those weekend off the rail moments, Mm -hmm. you know, how people describe them those probably still aren't even enough calories. Right, right. right. That's depending you're on getting the person, closer. Yes. Yeah, depending yeah. on the person. But the, for but, most You know, people, for yeah. kind of the, the average person who I see talk about this. Yes. But then, of course, then they want to compensate for that. Then it's like, okay, Monday, I'm back to the plan. I'm back to being good. And you're back to your food prep and restriction. Yes. Right? And yes. so, the gosh, what if we started eating a normal amount all the time. Yes. Right? Oh my gosh. I yes. mean, that's what's fun. My food intake does not look different on a holiday, on a, I mean, maybe I'll have a little extra indulgence, but I mean, by and large, my body now, like my hunger and fullness cues work. Mm-hmm. They didn't work before because my brain, if it had access to energy dense foods, I didn't have the willpower because your brain is going to be clamoring. Mm-hmm. All the time for energy. So again, we're we're talking about this because we want you to let go of self judgment in these moments. This is not about your lack of willpower. This is about your body trying to save you. Right, and and arguably it is. Yeah, it's not about willpower whatsoever. I mean, I think I I emphasized that earlier, but I really want to emphasize that. And it's a good thing that your body is doing this. I think, again, people go into the shame cave and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm just such a terrible person or I can't follow through with anything. And they make it about who they are mm-hmm. as a person. Right. And so I just want to make it very clear that this is not a default of character. This is just a default of not having a balanced diet. Right. That's it. Right. It... And, and of course, deeper than that, it's, you know, about us putting all of our self-worth in our, the body image bucket, right? right. Because that's not controlling what, yeah. our weight, you know, means everything. So, so this, <laughs> you know, this is yeah. part of that bigger picture, you know, starting to view food as an ally, starting to view our body as part of who we are and not something that we are at war with. All of this is part of letting go of, you know, putting all of our eggs in that body image basket. Because the reality is that people who are, most people who are able to get extremely lean, that has come at a very high cost, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and, you know, we'll talk about that in other podcasts. I don't want to derail us, but, but we really want you to get the point here that, we are biochemical creatures mm-hmm. and our brain is sending us signals all of the time and it's it's going to be on red alert like that annoying tornado signal or whatever when you're chronically under eating it's not going to stop telling you it's hungry right and wanting energy dense foods like right. you said it's not going to be asking for chicken and kale mm-hmm. it's going to be asking you know for things that have a lot of calories yes you know, yes it's going to per gram so right. Right. Because it wants to be as, well, when it comes to calories, it wants to be as efficient as possible in that moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, again, our bodies have evolved, you know, not really for our modern environment. We have an evolutionary mismatch, right? Our bodies have evolved to live in environments where food was scarce. Right. And there was danger all around. We happen to now live in a society where, Energy dense, nutrient devoid foods are everywhere. Right. And so it's just, 
it's trickier. And so just the more you know. So. Yes. Okay. So we're, we're getting through this last, last couple of side effects. So yeah, I, the other part of that is just the emotional turmoil that comes with under eating. Um, I mean, you actually talked about the relational aspects in your notes, which I thought was really cool, but I was thinking more about, um, what I see in people when they're struggling with the under eating is how their depression and anxiety will lift once they start feeding themselves enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and that even, I mean, that is the same for people who struggle with um, just under eating a little bit. You know, it's not just the really restrictive, you know, people. But, um, you know, talking from my own experience, I think that my anxiety levels were so much higher when I was under eating, even just by a little bit when I was still going through my recovery. The last two years of my recovery, I was eating enough to not like, freak out people and then, you know, put me on crazy, uh, refeed diets, but I was still trying to make myself eat like, you know, 1500 to 1800 calories as a teen. And my body was, was crying out for more. And I was just kind of ignoring that. Cause I, again, I thought that that was what I was supposed to eat. I thought Mm -hmm. that was a healthy amount. Right. Um, and how much my anxiety lifted and my even, you know, you know, bouts of depression lifted, once I was finally letting mm-hmm. myself eat more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I definitely think that that can happen again. You know, we're giving ourselves the building blocks of neurotransmitters. Right. You know, I speaking for myself, I still have anxiety and depression, and I I mean, it's enough. not the cure-all. You know, right? again, I just want to be clear for right. folks listening that this yeah. is not, you know the definitive answer if you struggle with some of these yeah. you know mental health issues these are things i will probably be working through for the rest of my life and you know that's a whole different podcast but it definitely helps and yes. I mean, you're at least not adding you know to the problem and i yeah, I, yeah. I also think it's really important though to address the emotional aspect of this that it it is so frustrating for my clients and i know i was in this uh, place as well when you know that you're not eating the kinds of foods other people are and they're mm-hmm. you know either losing weight or staying weight stable and here you are over here eating your salad and you can't lose weight that can be so demoralizing and frustrating and mm-hmm. honestly make you really angry mm-hmm. and kind of send you to the point where screw it I'm just gonna go eat a bunch of whatever, because this nothing works for me anyway, which then is going to feed into that. I don't have any control, you know, cycle, the whole shame cycle, you know, feeling like you just, you know, aren't a strong person and don't have willpower. So the side effects of chronic dieting are huge. It's not just on our bodily systems, our detox, our, you know, cell membranes. It's our sense of who we are and what we're capable of achieving in this world because we feel out of control with our food, not recognizing that we've downregulated our metabolism accidentally, Mm -hmm. that you know, it is fixable, but gosh, when you're in that place, I mean, I just have so many clients come to me and they are just feel so defeated yes. as a human, not just as a dieter. Right. Right. And right. so that's, we really invite you to consider some of these, you know, costs. Yes. You no, know, of, of staying in this place. Um, and the last one, you know, I think is, is pretty simple. And it's just that when you're chronically 
under eating, your cortisol levels are going to be higher, your stress hormone, because your body's trying to liberate blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And that's going to give you more anxiety, as you said. Yes. And that's going to likely impact your sleep. Yes. Either your ability to fall asleep, stay asleep, or the quality of your sleep in general. So yes. that is a big side effect. And I would just say it just as a huge red flag, if you're waking up or not able to fall asleep because you're hungry, you're under eating. I'm just going to yeah. like make that a blanket yep. statement. Yep. No, I, <laughs> like, I agree with that. Because I mean, I've... I've seen that happen for some people. And again, they have this distrust of their body where they think their body's just like trying to work against them by sending these hunger cues in the middle of the night. But that is definitely a signal that you are not getting some micronutrients or something. You are right. you are needing some more fuel right. in your life. And so definitely pay attention to that. Absolutely. No, yeah. that is that is such a good point. So so I I guess I thought it would be useful to talk, you know, about people we actually work with, you know, just some kind of examples, you know, like I said, the vast majority of women who come to me, I am never anyone's first rodeo. Mm-hmm. Like these are clients that honestly know quite a bit about nutrition and fitness and they've tried every diet out there. And, you know, to be honest, they have probably dieted their way up the scale rather mm-hmm. than down because yes of this adaptation, metabolic adaptation over time, right? Their body is just adapting to lower and lower calories. And then, you know, when they try to eat normally again, their body is so excited that it it's very efficient and it stores the calories. So most women, when they come to me, they automatically assume that they are overeating. Mm-hmm. So I have clients, you know, before I even work with somebody, they give me a three-day food journal, mm-hmm. you know, just a little snapshot of their average calories. And I would say on average, it's, you know, around 1,400 calories, mm-hmm. which, you know, if you go to any calorie calculator out there, and, and we're going to link to one, a precision nutrition one that I think is excellent, Gosh, for, you know, the example that I'm going to show that I'm going to put in the show notes is for a woman who is five, six, 165 pounds, her baseline calories for just maintaining her weight is 2,600 calories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's not what I'm seeing. I've never had anyone come to me that Mm -hmm. was overeating calories. So gosh, that doesn't add up when what we've been told is... Eat less, yeah. eat less mm-hmm. is the answer to weight loss. Yes. Well, logically, you should be able to assume if I'm chronically eating 1,400 calories, I should weigh negative 50 pounds <laughs> by now after all of these decades of dieting, right? Right. So this is where I want your, you know, kind of sense of logic to come in and, and really buy into what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. You know, your body is not a calculator, your body is adapting and reacting all the time. It is amazing. Yes. So, so if you if if a client comes to me and they say I want to lose 20, 30, 40 pounds, but you're eating 1400 calories, okay, we have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Right? We I could never in good conscience ask you to exercise hard or take your calories down. So, you're kind of painted into a corner here. And the only option that we really have is to start to normalize those calories. Yes. So 
that's what I do with clients and it's called reverse dieting. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, again, it sounds like a terrifying concept because many people think, oh gosh, here I came to you for weight loss and now you're going to make me gain weight. Mm -hmm. Well, the good news is you, (laughs) my clients don't gain weight. No, they don't gain weight. So what's amazing is how adaptable our metabolisms are. And I'm not going to go into painful detail other than to say that we go at a pace that clients are willing to tolerate and it does not take near as long as you would think to start bringing the calories back up. And what's fun is all of these side effects that we talked about go away. Yes. And you start to feel energetic. Your libido comes back. Your hair starts growing. Your eyes are brighter. Mm. Your skin is glowing. Mm -hmm. You just feel, you you get your mojo back. Yes. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is what, you know, a, a normal human existence feels like, you know, so that's what's fun. And, you know, the example I was telling Jenny is I had a client very recently that, Within the space of literally a week, we brought her calories up about seven or 800 calories on average. And after a week, she had lost half a pound. Mm-hmm. That doesn't even add up if we're <laughs> just talking about the calories in, calories out model, model yeah. which does not account for how adaptive. And, and this woman had been under eating for 30 years. Yes. So this wasn't like a 20 year old right. who then went out and started running. You know, maybe she was a little more active and took a few more walks, but she wasn't going and burning off those calories. Mm-hmm. So if that's what you're thinking, oh, well, she probably went and exercised five to 700 calories. Nope. No. Her metabolism was adapting. So so it's amazing how this works. And again, in the show notes, we are going to link to some specific strategies to figure out where your caloric intake is now, how to find out what to aim for, Mm -hmm. and how to slowly build up. And, And this is where I'd love for you to talk about, you know, some of the things that we want to watch for in terms of going too quickly. Oh yeah. So, you know, watching people in, you know, from all different stretches of disordered eating, when they start to re what we call sometimes refeeding, which is really essentially just getting your body back into where you're eating, what it's burning and in a healthy level. Um, there's usually a few different digestive side effects that I don't think people are always anticipating. And so it can kind of freak them out initially when they're starting to eat again and Mm -hmm. their body's like, Maybe they have some acid reflux or they're getting a little bloated or they have some gas or, you know, their uh, constipation turns into them actually using the restroom. You know, right. different things may occur physiologically as as you're refeeding or really just kind of reverse dieting. That's another term for it. Um, and getting to a place where you're, you're healing your metabolism. But, you know, give your, your body some time mm-hmm. and some grace as you're going through this and yeah. expect it to be... Um, doing some weird things or to feel a little bit bloated at first and just have a little bit of patience with that. It does normalize over time. And it doesn't um, always happen for and it everyone. Doesn't, it doesn't so, always happen yeah. to the same extreme. Again, it depends on your history of how much sure. you've been restricting, sure. what kinds of foods you've been eating as you restrict, the kinds of foods that you eat as you're starting to go out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that plays a role, but I think you know, for the average person, I just like to let them know that so they don't get freaked out from the physiological side effects and immediately throw in the towel and say, this doesn't right. work. Like look right. at my stomach, I'm bloated and yeah. all of that. Yeah. I, I, that is so important to think about. And it's also why working with someone 
can be really, really helpful, especially if you do have a long history of dieting or chronically under eating. This can be such a mind bender, not only just the strategies, but just needing emotional support along the way, because you need to be reassured that you're not, you know, we can feel like we're taking a huge risk. Right. You know, I did this on my own. And it took me a lot longer than it would have if I had worked with someone, you know, mm-hmm. in retrospect. But, you know, but I did go relatively slowly because I was, you know, I didn't want to gain weight and I didn't. And that's what's fun is that, you know, I'm at a point where, you know, I eat probably 40% more calories on average than I used to, you know, and don't have a higher body composition and mm-hmm. have more energy and I sleep deeper and yes. all of my systems work better. So, so we also want to emphasize that, you know, when you are starting to add back in and kind of normalize calories back up to a good baseline, you do want to get most of those from whole foods. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to view this as an opportunity to, oh gosh, now's my opportunity to go back to processed foods and and that kind of thing. Again, not a value judgment, not a moral judgment, but if we're thinking about all of this as Mm self-love and really taking care of our whole self and wanting to be, you know, the best version of ourselves Mm -hmm. mentally as much as anything, Mm -hmm. then nourishing ourselves, you know, should be a priority. And But what is fun is when you do get to the point of normalizing calories, you do have a little more wiggle room for the occasional indulgence without the scale going up, Mm -hmm. right? Once your metabolism, you know, starts to heal. Um, And the other key here is just, you know, your perspective is going to predict how well this goes for you. And if you go into this curious, staying out of judgment, Viewing this as kind of a science experiment. Huh, this is interesting, right? You know, this is what the scale's doing, or this is how I'm feeling about this. Being more objective and kind of being willing to iterate as you go, you're going to have a lot more fun with this. And to be honest, I do have fun with my clients. It is so fun to show them that, oh my gosh, you actually can eat more and stay weight stable and then you know, just feel better overall. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you do have a body composition goal, once we get kind of build some bandwidth there, then we can do a 30 day cut. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to pulse those with clients. If somebody wants to lose 20 pounds, we're going to maybe do a 30 day deficit cycle. Mm -hmm. Again, once you're to the point where your calories are high enough to do that, Mm -hmm. and then we're going to cycle out for a month and then we're going to cycle back in. Here's the ultimate payoff is that you get to the end of this journey and you've got calories that are what a normal human being would eat. Right. Well, and just, uh, I mean, just what is going to make your brain happy too. Well, absolutely. All the systems, but most diet plans, if I want to lose 50 pounds, I'm going to keep lowering calories Yes, until until I get mm -hmm. to my weight loss goal and if by the end you're down to 900 calories and then you're like, okay, now I'm going to start eating normally again, guess what happens? Yeah. The weight comes right back on and we're into the yo-yo cycle, the shame spiral. Yeah. This is a way to get some body composition changes, but wind up at the end 
with normal human calories, a healthy relationship with food, mm-hmm. a healthy outlook on life, yes. your sleep works, your hormones are balanced, your immune system functions, your gut isn't wrecked, all the yes. things. And, you know, again, if you're listening and if you made it to the end here with us, we really appreciate it because I know we kind of go into <laughs> detail, but this is about living a beautiful life. Mm-hmm. Food is a part of that, right? It is. And not having food obsession is a really important part of that. I mean, I just think of all of the years that this, I mean, it just felt imprisoned by all of this. And gosh, I'm 50 years old and have, you know, I I, I don't want to say better body composition, but definitely a healthier body than I did at 20. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to work very hard for it. I don't exercise very much. I do what I feel like doing, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, I'm not dogmatic. I don't, I almost never track my food. I do check in once in a while to make sure I'm eating enough, mm-hmm. you know, and I eat real food. I love the food I eat. I have occasional indulgences and it's just a beautiful place to be. So I think we always have to have like, what's the big picture of why, why do I even care about this? Right. What is, what's the whole point of what, yeah. of doing this in the first place? And exactly. I mean, I think that just leads into like the only, you know, asterisk that I'll put on this is, you know, if you find that you're being really rigid when you do start to like restrict of any sort. Like, I think you have to get to a space where you're, you have a healthy relationship with food and you're not obsessive and rigid. Like you almost have to emotionally earn being able to kind of change that Mm -hmm. body composition. Because I mean, I, I know that for my, for myself and the clients I work with, you know, your emotional health and your ability to have a healthy relationship with food trumps, you know, the, uh, body composition card. And I'm not saying body composition isn't important at all. Cause that would also be, um, lying and not, you know, being yeah. fully honest, but I think you have to get to a space where you have a healthy relationship with food and it's not going to be a dangerous thing for you to do that before you could work with a trusted person like Lisa, who could lead you through doing that in a healthy way. Um, and she'd probably be able to catch red flags too, if she caught you, um, being too rigid with it or like taking it to the extreme and trying to again go into that really restrictive control mindset or not like cycling back out of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's just, you sure. know, psychologically yeah, sure. being in a healthy space to yeah. do that as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, the reality is that I don't even think you could reach a body composition goal if you aren't coming at it. You know, you're not going to keep, keep those results if you're not coming at it from an emotionally healthy place. We know what that looks like. I have lost weight in the past from that rigid, unhealthy, self-loathing place. Mm -hmm. You don't hold on to that, right? right? Because then you cycle back out and then you start binging or doing all the unhealthy behaviors. So just from a tactical standpoint, the likely... You know, or you have an eating disorder, but that's like, I mean, that's another issue itself. Right, but, but it's for all most on a people, spectrum. Yeah. All of this people. is on a spectrum. You know, whether you have a diagnosed eating disorder or not, I would say that the vast majority of women that I work with have disordered eating tendencies. Yeah. They did not create them themselves. These were handed to us on a silver platter because we're taught, you know, as girls that you know, especially those that are up towards my age range. And I think it is shifting, thank goodness, 
but that our worth is, you know, in how we look. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a disordered relationship with food and body, you didn't invent that. I just want to point that out. You know, that was handed to you on a, on a silver platter, but for sure, you know, the clients I work with, you know, I have a private one-on-one Facebook page with all of my clients and we go back and forth every day. I am not giving people protocols and saying, good luck. (laughs) Hope you have figured it out. No, we are getting into the nitty gritty of feelings and emotions and stress levels and sleep. And, you know, I am not ever, you know, cavalier about the emotional aspect of this. That is honestly the biggest piece of this. Yeah. For Absolutely. sure. So, yeah. And to, I mean, to speak to that, like, I think, you know, if you're listening to this and this resonates with you and you're wanting to work um, with someone one-on-one, I mean, obviously I would love to have a list of referrals. We were talking about this before the show. We're like, I wish there were more people that we knew doing exactly what we do. Um, but unfortunately we don't know a ton of people in the space doing what we do. And if you are a person doing that, please reach out. Um, but you know, I know that I trust Lisa and her work and I trust my own work. And so if you're, if you're struggling with more, um, of the cycle, like deeper psychological stuff, or if you have a diagnosed eating disorder, I'd love to work with you. That's the clients that I work with and I have such a passion for, I think they're just such amazing people that have come into their disordered eating for so many different reasons. But, um, but yeah, it's just such a pleasure to work with them. And I know that Lisa does some amazing work with people who um, are looking to lose weight and have been having the the chronic dieting, the Mm -hmm. yo-yo dieting struggle for so long. I sent her over one of my clients that I really, you know, that I was like, you know, I know that this is going to be a good fit and she's doing amazing work with my client. And I just, yeah, I mean, knowing you for all this time too, like it's just, she does really good work with people as well. And I think it'd be awesome to Um, hear from you guys if you're wanting to take this and actually, you know, move this into your life. Yeah. And, and, you know, just to add on to that point, whether you seek help, you know, if you feel like you need some help through therapy or through strategies and nuts and bolts, whatever it is, understand that it is the biggest act of bravery to ask for help in whatever form you need. I know I am one who has been reticent my whole life to ask (laughs) for help. I am a researcher. Okay, I have the information. I should be able to figure this out, but I'm not, right? And so (laughs) learning, you know, to let my ego stand down a little bit and ask for help has been so amazing, you know, whether it's therapy, whether it's business coaching, it has been a game changer for me. It, you have to find the right person though. Yes. You know, it always has to be a good fit. It has to be somebody who really cares about you, yeah. you know? So if you are seeking services, whether it's us or somebody else, understand that you are the customer, you are in charge. And if this is not a good fit, if this doesn't feel nourishing to you or that it's, you know, inspiring growth, or a good partnership, keep shopping. Yes, because right? there's, you deserve that. You definitely deserve that. And, you know, I think that a lot of people come to us after having worked with other people or trying a bunch of different things and, and finding that it hasn't worked or it hasn't been a good fit. And so, yeah, definitely encourage encouraging you to work, um, to just 
well, not to work, but to continue to journey in finding a person that's a good fit for you. Uh, even for my own history as well, like there's so many things that as I've learned over the years, I wish I knew back for, then, oh yeah, for sure. you know, and obviously life takes us on different journeys and in different uh, time spans for, for different mm-hmm. reasons. But, um, but we were just talking about that earlier, how much it would have been nice to have certain people along different parts of our journey that would have gotten us where we are now a little bit sooner, but, that but that's said, why we're here. You know, that's, that's why, why we're, we're here. here yeah. Is that we are trying to help you fast track some of the things yes. that you know maybe we meandered a little bit or you know even backtracked for a long time. And and I would say that what we are trying to do, our purpose in life, and I'm I guess I'm speaking for you a little bit, mm-hmm. Jenny, is that we are using some of the challenges that we've gone through, you know, as a catalyst to connect with others. Yes. But again, you know, if you are, if you are seeking help or you're trying to, you know, sign up for some plan and it's a one size fits all and there isn't, you know, nuanced support or it's not customizable, that is a huge red flag. Right. There is no one size fits all approach to any of this. We all have our unique histories, whether that's trauma, whatever has happened in your past or unique genetics, metabolisms, food preferences, lifestyles, right? We have to, you know, either find a plan, create a plan or work with someone who is going to take into account the whole of who we are. Yes. The whole person. And even, you know, I've had people come to me who have successfully physically lost weight, Mm -hmm. but are still in the mind trap of struggling with their body image and anxiety around food and all of that for years. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like that's, you just (laughs) described me for so much of my life. Yes. Because I was terrified that I was going to gain it back. There was no peace from losing that weight. Right. There was was no freedom. No, there was no freedom. No, it was, again, you know, finding the paleo diet, that was a stepping stone to me starting to partner with food and body, view my body and, you know, beautiful food as an ally and starting to care for myself and nourish myself and take time for myself and all of those things. But guess what? I didn't do it perfectly. You didn't do it perfectly. Nobody does (laughs) it perfectly. And if you're over there thinking... But I failed here and there. Yeah, welcome to the human race. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're doing it perfectly, you've got a problem. Yeah. Right? That's an issue in and of itself. Right. So, and life happens. Oh, my gosh. It just does, as evidenced by our, you know. Six-week. Yeah, six-week <laughs> hiatus. I mean, we are not over here, you know, yeah, having everything figured out. I mean, I will probably sure. still be iterating my food for the rest of my life, but I know that I will do it from a place of curiosity moving forward. And it's such a beautiful place to be. And if you need help, we would love for you to reach out. So best place to find us is either through the Mind Your Body podcast Facebook page. You know, you can send us a message there. You can reach me on my website, Primal Transformations, or on my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And Jenny, where are some other places to find you? Yeah, and so I'm also on Facebook as this the Shameless Shrink. So kind of playing on the words, Shameless Shrink. I know it's hard to say. Um, yeah, basically not having shame in a therapist, Shameless Shrink. And you can also find me on Instagram as well. So if you connect with me on either of those platforms, I will get with you soon. That's awesome. And please be sure to check out the show notes because we are going to have these strategies um, lined out. And if you have questions, 
send us a message. Gosh, we'd love to hear from you and, you know, help get you launched in the right direction. Absolutely. So so take care. And until next time, have an awesome week. Take care.